everyone, and welcome back to the Classy Chicks podcast. So today we have a bit of a different kind of a podcast for you. As you know, normally it's Hope Miller and I talking about all things faith, femininity, the pro-life movement, but in the in these summer months when people are really busy and when there's a lot going on we have decided that we're going to get some guests on this podcast so today instead of hope and i you are going to hear from emma bulowitz and i so emma do you want to uh introduce yourself share a little bit about you yeah hi guys so my name is emma savannah said i've known like savannah and hope pretty much forever (laughs) we kind of have gone to like the same church a lot of the same events especially pro-life events I feel like that's where we cross over a lot um right now I'm in school working towards uh being a nurse I currently work at a hospital as a nursing assistant so something I really see like in the pro-life movement a lot is working like with elderly people and like how they um like what their part is and like you know valuing life from like death until conception or conception until natural death and um I guess I'm on this podcast with Savannah kind of to like look at that other part of the spectrum that people don't really talk about so often about how like what is the elderly people what is like what is their role in the pro-life movement like what does it look like valuing them right so Emma definitely has a very unique perspective um being first of all being a young woman in the pro-life movement at the time of Dobbs we're going to talk a little bit about that and then um working in a hospital working with the elderly we're going to talk about how that um kind of is a huge part of the pro-life movement that I think a lot of us especially recently with all the talk about abortion it's something that a lot of us don't think about as much but it's an equally huge part of the pro-life movement so Emma let's start by talking about um where were you on the day of the Dobbs decision how did you react and kind of what happened from there oh my goodness yeah I think we were all just like oh my gosh (laughs) for me I think I was literally just at home. Uh, I had been hearing for a couple days that, you know, it was possibly going to be overturned and I'm a Roe v. Wade and I'm just like sitting at home, kind of looking at stuff a little bit on social media, but not trying to look too much just because, you know, I don't know. I'm like, is it going to happen? Is it not? Right. Um, And then all of a sudden, I think I just randomly looked and I think I saw live actions post on it first. And I was like, wait, this is real. This is not a drill. (laughs) This is real. I was just sitting in my room and I looked at it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I think that was like, it was kind of, um, I know some people have really dramatic reactions, but I was just like kind of in shock. Like what did this? How about you, Savannah? Right. Yeah. Well, so I was, um, it was the weeks leading up to the dad's decision were definitely stressful because we didn't, we knew that it was going to happen um, on, there were like two days every week that it was likely going to happen, but we didn't know which day. No one really knew. Everybody was saying it was going to be different days, but no one really knew. So we would go on the Supreme Court, the SCOTUS blog every Monday and Wednesday. I think those were the decision days. And we would mm-hmm. just like keep up with it and see if they were handing down the decision. Um, so yeah, when the decision got handed out, I was actually on a work call and we all were looking at it as we were talking. Um, and we saw it and we were, I started crying and then I started, a bunch of people started calling me and then I started, um, 
sending out cross releases and everything we need to do for Illinois Right to Life. But, um, but that's where I was when this happened. And so can you explain a little bit, did you get, so first of all, explain a little bit more about like where you work, what you're working towards. And then did you get any reaction from your coworkers in the days and weeks afterwards? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think everyone, like first off, no matter where you work or anything, all of a sudden abortion was on everyone's radar. Like for the past while, if people had stayed silent about what they thought about abortion, everyone was letting you know, (laughs) which um, being pro-life, I feel like that was almost a little bit of a difficult place to be in just because of how like um, people weren't even really looking at you as a person anymore, just like, oh, you're pro-life, so you must be terrible or something. I know a lot of broken friendships and stuff happens, but um, since I work in healthcare, it was even more um, divisive, I feel like, because healthcare, some people try to claim that abortion is healthcare. So mm. many of my coworkers who are some really well-meaning nurses and really care about their patients felt that their patients were stripped of having access to abortion as healthcare. So um, there was even one nurse who, she's such a sweet lady, but her feed on Facebook is just full of why we need abortion. And she was at work and I saw she had, everyone has like these cute little badge reels at work. Some people have like, um, like goofy little bandages with hearts on them or like little animals or little cute badges, but her badge reel said pro row on it. And I was like, oh my goodness, you have to like really believe in abortion that much to like have a badge that says like pro row, like, yeah. I thought that was shocking just how like vocal and upfront she was about abortion and supporting it. Right, right. Yeah, I know that we saw um, immediately after the decision, the DOPS decision, we saw we saw a lot of that. We saw a lot of um, women saying that their reproductive um, the reproductive rights were stripped from them. And then in your sphere, a little bit more that the, this healthcare was being stripped of them. So how would, how would you respond to someone when they say that uh, Dobbs stripped their access to healthcare away? Yeah. So I'd say that that really is, first off, I would kind of, you know, guess based on like who the person is and like try to understand a little bit where they're coming from. But I think it comes down to a lack of understanding of what like proper healthcare is. And I feel like like working in the healthcare environment, there are a lot of areas that need a whole bunch of help. And like the first place that needs reform is looking at like the sanctity and value of human life. And if you can see value at all stages of life from conception till natural death, like healthcare will actually be at where it's supposed to be preserving life and not um, destroying it. And um, I know a lot of people, I'm sure you saw everywhere, Savannah, that they were saying that like an eptopic pregnancy is an abortion. I'm like, guys. Yeah, talk a little bit about the whole ectopic pregnancy thing. The whole why about that. Yeah, it's so sad that people are so misinformed. But if you talk to a guy like an OBGYN, they should be able to tell you that. Um, an ectopic pregnancy is when a baby starts forming outside of the uterus. 
the uterus is what is necessary to keep the baby alive. Like you have to be growing in the uterus. If a baby starts growing outside of the uterus in a an ectopic pregnancy, um, both the baby will not be able to continue developing and the mother will die as well. So essentially both the mother and child will be killed if the pregnancy continues. Now, the reason that it's not an abortion is because you're not directly killing the mm. innocent child that has grown there. You're removing right. the child from there. And you're, I mean, obviously you'll provide comfort care and everything while the child passes, but it's not an abortion because you're not going in with attention to actively kill this child. You're removing them because they don't have any capacity of life. They have no way of growing or developing and they will just end up killing themselves and the mother. So it's not an abortion. Yeah, that was a very helpful explanation. That was that was a lie that was going on a lot. And I think that I think the bigger organizations such as Live Action and other other organizations did a good job at debunking it. But um I mean you you know firsthand, you know that that's that's a very dangerous a very dangerous thing to say that an atomic pregnancy is the same thing as an abortion when an abortion is killing, is the direct killing of a child and an ectopic yeah. pregnancy is not. Or I even had a coworker saying that, um, you know, when, and one of the things she was sharing, I'm like, you're a nurse, you should know the terminology is different, but she was saying that a miscarriage is an abortion. Like, right. And why, I mean, why is a miscarriage not an abortion? Yeah, because a miscarriage comes at, generally speaking, it comes at no, like, it just happens that right. it's usually no one's fault. Um, sometimes they happen if you don't know you're pregnant and you live life normally and then you have a miscarriage. Well, you didn't try to kill that baby on purpose. It just, it happens and it's really sad. And I feel like it, I'm sure you've seen Savannah, like when you've worked with a lot of women that like miscarriage or abortion or any of those things, like they can um, hurt a woman so much and to minimize the miscarriage, and claim that it's an abortion. Yeah. That that's just so sad. Yeah, that's it's so sad. It's so devastating for so many women who are extremely pro-life who've had miscarriages because I mean it's it's in no way even comparable to an abortion. Um yeah. so now I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, the other side of the pro-life movement. So in the pro-life movement, I think when I was younger. I kind of heard a lot more about, um, you know, the the whole life ethic, um, protecting people from conception to natural death. I think that in the past few years, just because of all the legal stuff centered around abortion and all the changes in abortion laws, there's been yes. not as much talk about sort of end of life ethic. So mm -hmm. maybe just explain a little bit, um, you work with the elderly every day, right? Yeah. What are some, what are some of your thoughts on this? Um, yeah. No, so working with the elderly first off is a very, it's a lot different than I thought it would be before I started just because mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things you have to take into account. Oftentimes it's really sad because, you know, many people when they get old, no matter how healthy you were when you were younger, develop various conditions that kind of make them not as mobile as they were before. They can't mm -hmm. do a lot of basic things themselves. And it's extremely humbling for them to have to ask for help 
even sometimes to like feed themselves or mm -hmm. to walk. They need someone else to assist them or they need walkers. Um, they're developing maybe arthritis in their joints and they're just generally usually like in a little bit more pain than we are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of um, what I've seen is different family members. Some of them are super loving and super caring and they're to support them. But some people kind of just write them off as like angry and like, you know, that stereotype, that stereotype of like the old man that's like, hey, get off the grass, like yelling at the kids. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Nobody ever thought to ask, like, why is that man so angry about the kids <laughs> off the grass? Like, what? Yeah. What's going on there, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. So, what are the, because I'm, I'm not as super, super familiar about this. What are the sort of, I don't know how, how to say this. What are the, the laws, protections for the elderly in Illinois? Are they good? Are they bad? Do you know? Yeah. So I know a little bit about that. Um, if I worked in a nursing home, I know that they have a lot more um, things that they're working on to try to implement to make them better because elderly people, I guess it's not talked about as often too, but they also can definitely be victims of elderly abuse where right. caregivers or people will just leave them, not take care of them. They'll say, oh, you're old and maybe sometimes confused. No one will listen to you. They'll listen to me or something like that. And it's mm -hmm. unfortunately really sad. I know that in, within the next five years or so, I believe that they're going to be implementing more um, measures to try to prevent elderly abuse, like more cameras and facilities and mm -hmm. um, things like that. Because while privacy is important, they really want to try to help like vulnerable elderly adults. Um, right now, I think the standards are basically that when you're a patient, at least in the hospital and also at nursing homes too, you do have like a couple just like rights. Um, like one, you have the right to refuse any care. Um, okay. You can even, it's not recommended, but you can refuse your medications. You can, like if you feel unsafe with things, um, we do have to hand people out like pamphlets with different like numbers they could call people that could help mm -hmm. them. If they don't have like a family member, we usually have like um, to assign them some type of advocate for them. Um, so like all these things we try to um, put little measures in to try to help preserve them. And um, But it definitely needs improvement in the same way that you know, like in the pro-life movement, we always need more people to donate or give time. I feel like with elderly people, the biggest thing that they need is just like time. And mm -hmm. I know we were talking about this before we started the podcast, but like, had you heard about like what failure to thrive was before for elderly people? Failure to thrive? Yeah. I don't think so. What is that? So like failure to thrive for like an elderly person is, and it also happens with babies too. If hmm. they're just left by themselves without like any love or affection or like care from family members or people, they can start to just refuse to eat, refuse to drink, just um, essentially just let themselves go till they die because they don't feel like they got love. You know, human beings, like we crave, um, like love and community and attention. And if we don't get that, um, it's really hard to live. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. The work, the work you do is definitely very important. I think that 
you know, maybe as this, um, maybe as we get farther from the Roe case, obviously there's, there's so much we need to do in regards to the unborn and uh, women in crisis pregnancies, but maybe we will uh, start focusing more too on uh, care of the elderly because it's an equally important part of the pro-life movement. Yeah. Um, now, the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about was, so we talked a little bit about the reaction of your coworkers. What would you say to young women who think that they're, because uh, besides working in the medical field, you are also a young woman who, um, you know, is probably going to get pregnant someday, you know, probably going to have kids. What would you say to young women who think that they're, that we went back in time 50 years, that their uh, reproductive rights are being stripped away? What would you say to women who think that? Yeah, so I would say that, well, first off, yeah, it depends on who they are, what their background is, but in general, like, I would have them try to really think about at least the way that I like to focus on is looking at the science of it of like okay why at um you know different states have different restrictions and restrictions on abortions now like why at 20 Mm -hmm. weeks is it not okay to kill them but at 19 Mm -hmm. weeks it was okay like right where do we draw the line when and I feel like the easiest thing for us ethically to conclude is that we shouldn't have to draw a line at any place. We should just accept life as a whole. I know as a young woman, especially um, with the way the world is, it's very like me focused, like mm-hmm. how I live my life. If I have a baby, like what am I going to do? And it's so hard because like if we don't like open ourselves up to other people um, or are willing to mm-hmm. you know, be more generous. Abortion, unfortunately, is one of those areas where it really shows like how like I centered we are kind of because mm-hmm. um, abortion is like a really it's a really easy like fix just to say like okay um I don't want to deal with this other person that's here so I'm just going to get rid of them and I see why people are so tempted to do that because it's it's so much simpler just to not have to deal with your child but I'd encourage them to really think about what the ramifications of them of doing that would be Right. And I mean, we see, yeah, yeah, we, we see that we have, there's so many women who've, you know, had abortions and then come out afterwards and said that it's the worst decision of their life. And then they wish they would have kept the baby. And then on the other hand, there's so many women who did keep their baby who say that it was the best decision of their life. Um, so lastly, I just kind of want to talk about, so you also um, have a social media account. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and why, why you created it? what has come of it, um, why that that way of um, influencing is important to you? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, forget about that. That's the thing, right? Um, so my social media account is called Life is Always Precious. Um, I came up with the name because it was kind of one of the few ones. There are a lot of pro-life accounts on Instagram. Just go look because like, I was like, it is so hard to find a name that's pro-life because people have taken them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a good sign. We like yeah. to see that. But um, so I created it. It's going to sound really funny, but it was just out of a New Year's resolution. I was like, you know what? I want to do something that is relatively simple, but it's making impact in the pro-life movement. Um, that doesn't require like 
have to go somewhere. I can just essentially do it from home. Um, right. So I thought, oh, you know what? Social media, that's perfect. A little Instagram account. Um, I also thought it was like fun because I could make different memes or stuff like that. I got really into memes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but probably the most impactful thing that came of that pro-life account um, is the fact that there was this one lady who reached out to me saying that she saw something that I shared on my Instagram account, which I believe was talking about the different developmental stages of a baby, like by eight weeks, um, all the things that a baby has formed and um, like how human like they are at only eight weeks, like, you know, it already, they already have like their little toes, their face, you know, some basic organs. And um, she said that she saw that post. And from that post, she decided to look more into why she should keep her child. And she ended up keeping her baby because of one post she saw on social media. Yeah, um, that that's incredible. That I mean, that story, Emma, how long ago was that? Oh my gosh, I think that was maybe a year or two ago now. Yeah. I should definitely reach out to her and see if she'll send me a picture of her as like a one-year-old or two-year-old now. Right. <laughs> but she did send me a picture after she was born and she said that her baby is named Hope. <laughs> that's That story is like to this day one of the most amazing stories I've heard from like a social media account, you know? that one that well I was shocked I was like is this real but then she sent me a bunch of pictures of baby and like at the baptism she asked if she could like baptize the baby in like honor of my name and I'm like oh my gosh but at that time I was like new to social media and I was like I don't want to get my actual name so I said like Emily or something yeah (laughs) like that's her like um either her middle name or it's like her um Kristen and or Christian yeah like baptismal name yeah 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 Yeah, no that that is so beautiful I mean we always talk about I feel like you like uh in the pro-life movement and like uh the young women's generation social media all of this we always talk about how you never like you never know what someone's going to see and how it's going to impact them but and that's true that's true we never know who we impact but in this situation you do know who you impact and that's just that's just amazing yeah, no, I was so shocked. And she kept messaging me for a little while, um, just messaging me about how like thankful she was that she saw that and how she couldn't imagine her life without her baby. And I know that it was even more traumatic too, because she was a victim of rape, she said. Oh, wow. Um, and I think that really speaks to show that for her, I think she found a lot more healing in keeping her child than having an abortion um because you know rape is the stereotypical example people use of like oh well they're raped so it's okay but she set the example right there that you don't necessarily you don't need to have an abortion to heal from rape and I'm sure there are still days where she's still working on recovery but giving life to that child I think is huge for recovery for most people yeah yeah that's beautiful that is beautiful. That's a beautiful story to end with. And I think that that also um, might uh, encourage people, if, you ever, if you're ever thinking that what you might post, what you might share might not be influencing people, just 
look at this story, you know, look at, look at the good that it has the potential to do. One of my favorite quotes is, um, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. And I mean, obviously that's not true. You don't save the whole world if you save one life, but it, I think that it can mean, mean the world to you, you know, even if you just help in saving one life. Yeah. Well, you save that one life and then say that that child might, is probably someday going to have a baby too. And maybe she'll choose life her mom chose life. And it's a chain reaction. If everyone keeps choosing life, that's a beautiful thing. That is such a beautiful thing. All right, Emma, is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to tell our listeners? Um, I think, I think we're good for now. You might just have to have me again to tell the next I guess I might just have to have Emma on again (laughs) to talk more about, you know, her, her experience working in the medical field, working with the elderly and yeah, um, definitely make sure to follow Emma's social media account. What is it again, Emma? Um, it's life is always precious and it's on Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Emma. This is fun. Yeah, no, it's fun. Thanks for having me, Savannah. No problem. No. (laughs) What did you say? I said, say hi to Hope. Yes, we will. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good day.